0: Welcome to episode 9 of the Faith in Real Life podcast. I'm your host, Amy Dahlke.
1: And I'm your host, James Thompson.
0: Today we're talking about stop number 3 on the Bible Road Tour, which is Jeremiah 29, 11. I'll read that real quickly for you. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future.
1: And that's the verse that you find on a lot of graduation cards, right. it seems like. You know, this is the one that you find at Home Decor, On that uh, we talked about before, that people put up in their houses. And uh, one of the things that was discussed this weekend during the sermon was John spent a good amount of time actually putting that verse into context. It was, it was enlightening to me because I had never really thought about, you know, sort of the, the mm-hmm. text around that verse and and where it was where it came from and so I thought that was actually gave uh, that verse a whole new sort of nuance and made me look at it a, a bit differently
0: right it's a promise given to the jews who were in exile in babylon like during the sixth century bc jeremiah is telling the israelites that god is promised promising to bring them back so they could be assured that there was a future and a hope right it wasn't the greatest situation that they were in.
1: Well, it wasn't the news they wanted to hear. I, John, John talked about how there was a false prophet that said, oh, yeah, in three years you're going mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you look at verse 10, which is the one right before, the one that, that you just read, this is, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. And so there, they, you know, these people are thinking, okay, in three years, you know, we'll be back to where we were. And nope, you know, you're going to have 70 years here. Not the news they wanted to hear.
0: Right. And also, like, or how how much more do I want the good, the easy news, right? The news that says that this isn't, this suffering that I'm enduring isn't going to last long. I want the quick and easy way out. I, I don't want to hear when I'm suffering that it's going to be 70 years.
1: Well, you can. I mean, you can basically tread water. Like for three years, mm-hmm. you can abide your right. time and just and just you know wait mm-hmm. to go back. Uh, if it's going to be seventy years, it's a whole different mm-hmm. story. When I I went back and and I'm thinking about this verse, thinking about what's jumping out at me, what I think the important things are, and I get, I sort of three things, and they all start with P because you know things that uh, that rhyme are are easier to remember, mm-hmm. at least for me. So in in verse ten we have a promise. Verse eleven, we talk. God talks about that He has a plan, and then that plan is for them to prosper. What I couldn't help thinking about also is that all of this came to be, and their exile was going to cause them pain, but it was self-inflicted. God didn't just send them into exile; this was right. the result of their own decisions, right. um, and, and part uh, of discipline that I'll talk about later. That that also this sort of this verse drew me to. But those are the three P's that I got out of it was uh, promise, plans, and uh, prosper.
0: This was directly spoken to the Jews who were in exile, right? It wasn't spoken to the general population of people. And I think that as believers who live centuries and centuries and centuries after the fact, we forget sometimes that these words had meaning to specific people. And we tend to want to take everything that the word of God says as something that directly is spoken to us. And so we make this like spiritual kind of meaning out of it. Not that that's not appropriate in in some parts. What I'm saying is that even though this wasn't spoken directly to us, this is our promise in Christ, right? This is our security in Christ. Did I just make a whole, did I make a whole lot of sense or nothing at all?
1: well i think i think you came back to this is written to them right and it, and it, that has a meaning to them yes. but it also has a meaning to yes. us yes centuries later and and that's exactly what i was getting out of it as well you know and i hardly ever put it in <laughs> i put it in context yes but a lot of times i'm looking how is god talking to me mm-hmm. through this right uh, profit mm-hmm. to them mm-hmm. and so that you know we going back to the, the 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 three p's what is what is that promise mm-hmm. here he's literally talking to them about my gra- my promise is to bring you back to this place mm-hmm. and what is that place which is the promised land, right. land he, yes he he was going to give them and what is that promise for us though
0: well it's the ultimate restoration of who we were made to be in the first place right and that only happens in Christ
1: and so yeah, and I think that's exactly what I'm getting out of it, and then you know when you you mentioned through Christ, and I think that's the plan that's his plan yes that's that was the plan for us uh-huh. that we've seen come through is that to 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 restore us to him, Christ came to 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 do that to, to be that bridge um but I think it I think it's also interesting so you go through the verse for I know the plans that I have for you. And when I was reading that I'm like, okay, I know the plans that I have. Like so he's like you don't necessarily and so that for me that just makes me think, well, I don't necessarily know the plans. Right. And I've got to put, you know, there's a the level of trust there.
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking to a control freak who doesn't know what the plan is is a little disarming. Like that requires lots of trust.
1: Yeah, it it it, it definitely does. I mean, it's You have to trust that this plan is going to fulfill his promise. So you've got one that, you know, you, the other thing it made me think of is God's talking about his promises and we know that God keeps his promises and Mm -hmm. he's going to be steadfast in keeping those promises. And we need to know what those promises are. And that comes back to, I was, I had to work this weekend, um, on a, uh, well, I didn't have to work. We were working on a a Emmaus planning team training and, um, and part of that is study. And so, you know, you're not going to know the promises unless you actually exactly. read God's Word. And so exactly. God's going to keep His promises. It'd be helpful if we try to learn what those right. promises are. Um, the only downside to that, or the only thing that we need to keep in mind, is that the timetable in which those promises are fulfilled, are not...
0: Always in uh, our timetable. Right, and this is
1: exactly, that <laughs> goes back to this verse, right. where they, they thought it was going to be only a couple of years, you know, generation.
0: And that actually just as we're talking, makes me think how much more difficult it is to trust when we're in a situation that we want out of, you know, that's not comfortable. And and I want to know this isn't going to last very long. Like this, it's going to end soon. And that to them is not what they were told. In fact, so many of them died. I mean, during that period, right? before, or, or did we say all of them? I don't know if we know that. But well, at least 70 years, years yes. Somebody's going to have a heart attack and die during that time.
1: <laughs> yes. You know, and it's not the, f- the first time. I think, um, you know, when I, was, when I was originally thinking of it, I thought of, you know, part of the, we mess up the plan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, God yeah, has a plan. Absolutely. We are free will. We, we sort of mess it up. And we, we bring pain upon ourselves. And this story is just like, you know, I think back to Genesis. God had a perfect place for us to be. Mm -hmm. We make a a bad decision. We totally violate a rule that we knew of that God said, don't do it. And we do it. And we cause pain on ourselves. Um, I looked up the word pain. uh, You know, I just kind of did a search. I mean, it it shows up in chapter three right after the fall. Um, We're going to deal with painful, you know, toiling of the, of the ground that Mm -hmm. was cursed. Pain more pain was referenced in regard to childbearing um, and so we bring pain upon ourselves, and so part of this this exile. You know, and the same thing happened when they didn't. You know, they get to the the promised land the first time, and they're like, right. "Oh, those are giants there." And God's like, nah, "I got that. Don't yep. worry about it." So you're it.
0: not even going to go in for a while. So
1: okay, so we're going to take a detour for forty years, mm-hmm. which is another thing that you know. So he's consistent. You've got to follow my rules, and we we keep not doing it.
0: Right. Really, we have this thought that the things that God has laid out for us, like the Ten Commandments and more, anything that God says is like these rules, these tight constrictions that we have to fit within. That's how we see them, but really, they're for our good. Live this way, and it will go, it will be well with you, right? That's how it is, but we think that we want to define what's good for us. We don't want to trust God's definition of good.
1: Well, yeah, and that's the pretty consistent story that we've we've since chapter 3 of genesis we we tend to do right um while amy was speaking pastor john has uh, come in from a previous engagement good morning good morning so what i got when i was when i was reading the verse and sort of chewing on it a little bit i got the word discipline seemed to come come to me over and over and over again why, why were they exiled and it wasn't mm-hmm. you know it was of their own doing. This is the pain that I was just talking about. Right. But it's he, they, God had to discipline them.
0: Right.
1: And God disciplines those that He loves. I mean, there's plenty of verses on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and one verse that I found while I was thinking about it um, really sort of struck home to me. Um, and no discipline. This is from Hebrews 12 chapter 11. I mean, chapter 12 verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Right. Um, and that, that really spoke to me because, you know, no one likes to be disciplined. But if you don't, if you don't follow through, this is what parenting one hundred and one, right? right. Um, then you have to be consistent. And here, it's not like God surprised them with a new rule. And said, "Oh, yeah, and then retroactively mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. punish them, I'll, you know, do this, do this, do this, if you don't do this, this will happen right, and then they 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 break it, and then right. so this has to happen, or else he's not being steadfast, he's not being consistent, and we know that he will be
0: right absolutely,
1: and so and that's part of the comfort, right? I mean, you get all these parenting books that if you don't set boundaries and then enforce the boundaries, then, you know, kids will flourish. And so that's that's us. Right. So um, we need him to do that. And it's just unfortunate because, you know, it's it's painful for them. I mean, this is, they don't want to be in exile, right. obviously. Um, and then, so then we, they, now that they are in exile mm-hmm. and they realize this is now going to happen for 70 years, you are right. not going home False prophet that, that you talked about in this, during the sermon, they've gone from they've just added you know sixty seven years to this term and they're like okay now what,
0: right,
1: and then that's kind of where we find ourselves at or at least that's where I, yeah, now what, so tying into the homesick um, aspect of it I asked I was I asked my kids I asked Isaac I said so Isaac's my nine year old Isaac when do you get homesick at camp, and he said. First he he denied ever being homesick, and I'm like, okay, no. When 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 do you get homesick? Mm-hmm. And he said the first night, and I said, what about the second night? He's like, no, I don't get homesick the second night. I'm not homesick on the second night, and I'm like, what? What's the difference between the first night and the second night? And so he had to think about it for a while. And he's like, well, I probably I, I usually have friends by the second day. So I was thinking, huh? Oh. You know, he's developed relationships. I mean, he's. He's engaged. He's, right. he's now part of the community. Tied into the community. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, um, and then I asked Zoe, uh, when she gets homesick at camp, and she said, I never get homesick. Which, you know, as a parent, I'm kind of proud that she's independent, but then I'm like, well, we don't miss you. But, uh, <laughs> so I asked her, and I'm like, why is that? And, of course, what she said, you know, we'll preach, right? Um, well, because I know I'll see you at the end. Which ties right back right. into, you know, we were talking about the... If the promise is restoration and the plan for that restoration mm-hmm. was through Jesus, um, and that hope that we have is that we will be, that makes right. sense. It makes total sense. And each one of these kids is sort of, you uh-huh. know, sort of giving me a little bit of glimpse of, of that homesick aspect to it all.
0: Right. When you put it into that context, it just makes me think of the overall picture of the Bible, of, of God's Word, where we're in the garden, screw up, punishment. God has a plan to restore us. And then, by revelation, we're back in the garden. Like, it's there's a beginning and an end.
2: It's like the exile actually occurred when we left the garden. Right,
0: exactly. That's what we talked about before. Yeah. Well, actually, not on the podcast. We uh-huh. kind of had a brief conversation prior to of, uh-huh. you know, Adam and Eve being exiled from the garden.
2: Yeah, and I think that, you know, um, the number one thing that the people had done... In the promised land, that caused them to be exiled, or God's reason for them to be exiled was that they went after other gods, right? And that their their fidelity to God mm-hmm. it was it was the main issue, right? And um, and it probably is still the case that as Christians who know that our home is mm-hmm. in Christ, whenever we go after other gods, so to speak, mm-hmm. we basically exile ourselves from. Being home, right? Um, uh, Because as baptized Christians who are in Christ, I think we we are in a sense home already, but not yet. Right. Um, And it's strange how we do that. I don't. I don't understand myself for why I do that at times. Of you
0: know what I'm saying? Placing our hope, placing your hope in something else. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh,
2: But it happens.
1: Well. There's a lot of shiny things out there that take our attention. And that was one of the other verses, even from Revelation uh, 3.19, is once again, you know, for those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. I mean, God's got to keep that discipline and that, you know, he he keeps that consistent throughout the entire message to us.
0: Well, I think, too, that when you are in, like, a situation of discomfort, right, in a place that you don't want to be, there is always hope and it may not be the hope that you want it to be and it may not come as quickly as you want the hope to come but ultimately like when i'm in in these moments of frustration or i think i don't like this situation how do i get out of it i always have to take it to the end you know of okay what's this life about anyway is this really a big deal where am I placing my hope?
2: It's a pretty make- uh, inspiring thing to see um, in the Book of Acts how, like, after being beaten and tortured and thrown in prison, mm-hmm. you find the apostles singing hymns. Right. How could they possibly do? Right. that? Right. But maybe it's because they they have what we're talking about firmly in place that this is, uh, you know, this is just temporary and. Right. It's
1: not the end. Well, I think that brings us to the, the the story where you had talked about the guy going down, rappelling into the cave. If you can't get in, or you can't get out, get in. Which made me, th- you know, so make the best of the situation where you're at. You're going to be here for 70 years, time to put down some roots. And um, and it made me think of that great theologian, Joe Dirt. So, <laughs> no, immediately, I'm sitting in there, I'm sitting there in the pew, and I'm thinking, you know, Joe Dirt says, have you seen that movie?
2: No.
1: Uh, oh, it's not it's not good um in terms of <laughs>
2: You're
0: not gonna give it, it your recommendation.
1: No. It, well, it it didn't win any Oscars. So Joe Dirt says, um, life's a garden, dig it. You gotta make it work for you. So, you know, you're gonna be stuck in in exile right. for 70 years. And so you had said, you know, intermarry, have, you know, put down roots, mm-hmm. plant your gardens. You're gonna be here a while. And so Ultimately, I think that's a message from God to do what I've called you to do, and what is that?
0: To bless it, other people. Well, to bless to yes. bless
1: others. To be the salt, to, mm-hmm. you know. To be the light. Be an example. And who knows? Maybe their example caused others right. to be interested in their God. Right. You know. And so. Um,
0: that makes me think of of how yes, it's how can we as believers, if we are in a situation that. Of suffering, or whatever it is, some kind of discomfort if if we don't root our faith in in God and the ultimate hope that we have, then we aren't going to fulfill our call to be to bless others as we're supposed to be right. and we there was a woman in who was in my small group who passed away um, in December of just this past year. And she was, her name is Marjorie Robinson. She absolutely was who I aspire to be. So faithful, so bold, just full of joy all the time. In the, I mean, the agonizing days of her cancer, she, she was in so much pain, so much physical pain. And that, I mean, when I have a headache, it's everybody in my household knows it, you know, <laughs> because I complain all the time. She would be going to her cancer treatments and blessing everybody who came in contact with her. I and mean, the nurses, the doctors, everybody continually remarked of what a joy she was. I, I don't know. That's, to me, that just speaks to this. Like, if you're going to be there, bless others in it.
1: Sure. I don't. I don't know that God ever calls us to moan and complain about our situation.
0: Right. I mean, I think he always pretty much says, don't complain. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so,
1: yeah, I just, I don't think that's ever what we've been called to do.
2: Right. Uh, I had Chuck Barber come up and talk right. about the experience of mm-hmm. UM Army, which was this one particular family that, and really we're seeking the welfare of the city of Huntsville and seeking mm-hmm. the welfare of the people that were there. And um, within the midst of this existential exile in which we are already but not yet in Christ, you know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, one of the things that happened is that they, at UM Army, is they always show a slideshow in the morning of what happened the day before. And so we we saw these slides and we didn't show all the slides on Sunday, but we saw these slides of this relationship between a teenage boy and that five-year-old girl that you could see each day how they were just getting closer and closer. Uh The first day they were just like playing together, but by the end, you know, he was, they were just holding hands, walking around,
0: and uh-huh.
2: it was so touching, but then to hear of how just simply by providing this ramp for their house, the ripple effect that it had throughout that family spiritually, it right. was just, uh, it was incredible. Right.
1: You know, and that wouldn't, that wouldn't happen, you know, if they secluded themselves off. You know, the people. yeah, like the people in exile, if they just stayed within right. their own.
0: Right, exactly.
1: You know, they're not going to be able to touch others mm-hmm. unless they, they get active mm-hmm. in the community. And I think that's that's one of those things that God probably told them that so they could be bearers of the message to where they were. Yeah. They're the ones that are going to pass on that message. They're, they have to do it for their own because it's 70 years. So they're right. going to have to pass down all of the, all of the, the tradition and the, the rules and, you know, as God has told them to their children, and those children are going to be part Babylonians. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
2: That Our life in Christ is not about um, being um, out of suffering,
1: and having
2: exactly. suffering, but it's actually suffering with a suffering world in order to bring the good news of right. Jesus.
1: And then suffering alongside someone else
2: mm-hmm.
1: makes that relationship tighter. people that face traumatic experiences or go through some Mm -hmm. journey you know those those bonds are tight because they've experienced it together
0: so So i've got a random real life situation that's going to prove my um tendency towards like hyper anxiety if you will but okay so a couple of weeks ago you you remember how well i think it's still here that the dust from the Sahara or whatever all the haze mm-hmm. so I was driving one day and this is how my mind goes so first of all I didn't realize at first that the Sahara was in Africa I thought it was in Arizona and so <laughs> I was thinking
2: is I was there a casino called the Sahara I, I, just, I have yeah, no I idea know.
0: I don't know but in my mind when people were talking about all this dust from the Sahara it was like why is that such a big deal like it's Arizona, of course. Anyway, when I finally realized my geography was a little off, I started thinking how amazing that is that, like, dust particles could move in the atmosphere all the way from Africa. I mean, that's crazy. Which led me to the thought of, wow, we really don't have any control over what affects us environmentally. I mean, very little control, right? Like if dust is going to come from Africa, we can't, stop it. we can't stop it. Then I thought about chemical warfare and how oh my goodness, this could be like a legit thing. We could all die because somebody like blows us up with gases and we breathe it. Anyway, all this so this is how my mind is trekking here. And then
2: wow.
0: Then I started to I, <laughs> right, it's messed up. It's messed up. And so I started legitimately thinking I have no control like we could all die and I couldn't do anything to stop it which really revealed how much control I do believe that I have yeah. over everybody in my household and ultimately now here's the hope for people who are overly anxious is I don't stay there right like my mind will go there but then I'm always brought back to what what's the truth and What I thought in that moment was, okay, and I don't know if I'm going to quote it accurately, but it's Lamentations 3, 19 through 23. It's like, you know, I remember, okay, here's here's the things that I'm suffering over, right? But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope that the Lord's compassion is, well, it's the new every morning, great is your faithfulness. And ironically, that's... Jeremiah is believed to be the writer of Lamentations, and again, he's talking about hope. It's like, in the midst of our suffering, here's our hope, that God is merciful, Mm. and His mercies are new every morning, so we don't have to worry about things. Mm. I say all that because that's when I—my greatest fear is death, right? I mean, if you boil it down to it, it's like my death or Larry's death or Luke's death. That's the greatest fear, but when I call to mind what my hope really is, then I know, I mean that if I die, it's not the end. So, chill out a little bit.
2: Yeah, ironically, your death is actually your hope.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. However that death may be, whether it's by chemical warfare or it's a mass destruction or
1: <laughs> or <laughs> dust from Africa? Yeah. Or exactly. Arizona?
0: Exactly. There's always hope. Always hope. Always.
1: And I think that's what that's what Jeremiah is giving him, right? Right. He's reminding him that it's going to be it's going to be tough for you, mm-hmm. but there's you know the end. I mean, you know, you know, God's going to mm-hmm. fulfill His promise, so that's there's your hope right there. Mm-hmm. I I think yeah, I lose hope or I lose sight of that when it doesn't happen as soon or as fast as I would like it to.
0: And don't we always have the tendency to find it in something easy and accessible?
1: Yeah, it's been two days, God, so I guess you wanted yeah. me to do it on my own. I
0: know. So let's go to Target. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, so Joe Dirt says, home is where you make it, which I thought was very...
0: Joe Dirt, the same guy that says life is a garden, digget. Yes. Wow, he's just an amazing oh, yeah. philosopher.
1: He's a, he's a theologian. And I think that kind of goes back to the sermon where you said, you know... You may be homesick for the land, the promised land, um, but make home where you are mm-hmm. uh, while you're waiting to get back there. Yeah, right. I was trying to think. You know, my, one of my favorite songs is that song. Um, you know, this is not where I belong. I won't sing it for you because I can't sing. But
0: I don't know the song. I need the tune.
1: <sighs> I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. I don't know. Okay, that's that's okay. that's all you're gonna get out of me. Um, and I think it's that it's it's that. You know, I was telling Missy. So I was I was. Th- Sometimes you know you're sitting at home and you you, you just have a feeling of yeah you know, I'm not even yeah you know, I'm just not comfortable like just right. whatever it is I mean even at home mm-hmm. I'm sometimes you're just not at home mm-hmm. and I think that's just part of the human condition right I mean we're just mm-hmm. you might have a cozy place that you like to sit or something within your house and it's just the best place you can think of but you know sometimes I'm sitting at, at the house and I'm just. You know, just something's off, right? And I think that's that for me. That's what it is. That's what the the whole sermon sort of conjured up is, and that makes sense. You know, this is ultimately just temporary, um, and I can comfort myself with all sorts of stuff, and that's where we tend to find other God's little g. But, but I feel it. I get it. Mm -hmm. Um, Even when I'm up on my studying and (laughs) Bible reading, I just, I, 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 this is sort of a pervasive sense of just not right. Right. Yeah. You know. I totally
0: understand that.
2: Yeah. But I think, I mean, would you agree that there are moments when God gives us glimpses of home, where these moments, these maybe they're very fleeting, mm-hmm. very brief, but these little tiny moments where you're like, ah, oh, this is what it's going to be like.
0: Right.
1: Oh, I think so. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I do. I do get that sense, and I think um, that's one of the things that that I remember is, you know, where heaven touches earth. Mm -hmm. And that's, when you were talking about the U.M. Army, I'm I'm assuming those are the kind of moments where everyone is is sort of on the same page and in community, and boom, even if it's Mm -hmm. just for a day or two uh, or for, you know, an afternoon, um, everyone's pulling in the same direction. Yeah, and I, I, and it's, it's amazing, no matter how hard you toil on those days, you don't feel it. I mean, yeah, you, know, you 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 get funny. over it pretty quick. Yeah, it's
2: easy to keep throwing a basketball when
1: you keep making baskets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're we I had an Emmaus uh, team training, and at the I got up in the morning. You know, you have team training. It's from eight thirty to noon, and then your first team meeting is from noon to four. So you're there all day. And I told Missy, I'm like, this is gonna be a This is going to be draining. And at the end of the day, you're just invigorated. I mean, you've listened to three talks about grace and studying and and you name it. You've heard testimonies from people that you don't know very well. And boom, you're ready to go. I mean, you're recharged. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because every time I get selected to be on a team, I'm like, it's going to be a lot of work. I don't want to go. It's three days. (laughs) But then, you know. Once you're in that room with, and the, the amazing thing of getting off on a maia's tangent here, but you're in a room with guys that would never probably be in a room together.
0: Right.
1: So, I mean, it's just one of those things. Um, and, it, and when you see a guy who's full of joy, when you were talking about joy mm-hmm. earlier, I actually experienced that this past weekend. We gave a uh, guy on the team it, talked about how he's had joy in his life um, when he gave his himself to Christ, uh, his life to Christ, when he was. It was like twenty three, twenty two, something mm-hmm. like that. And he talked about how he wakes up with joy every day. He felt he went to sleep that night with peace, and he's he's been full of joy every day. And you could tell five minute testimony, this guy wow. you totally believe it. Listening just to him for that short period mm-hmm. of time, you were energized just wow, He just exuded it. I mean, it was wow. amazing. You know, you, you only hope that you can be that for others. Right. You know, not that people right. You know, it was, not that others will talk about you, but just so that you could be that kind of example mm-hmm. um, and share. It was just amazing.
0: It's interesting because going back to the Hebrews verse that you read, the discipline is what leads to the peace and the righteousness, right? And ultimately, I would say joy. You know, we when we do what God says. That is how, that's how we experience the promises that God has made to us. It's like, walk in my word, and here's the result.
1: But yeah, how often do we think, okay, he says that. He keeps his promises. He always has. Right. Uh, Now I got this. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Exactly. Never mind. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Every day.
1: Yeah. Maybe that was for others. Yeah, it just, I do it, I constantly do it. I just you know i i sin every day and i fall short and mm-hmm. it's just you know i read the old testament and it's so easy for me to say man what was their problem why don't they learn and you know that's when you got to not look around at it because the mirror is right right there in front of you exactly. like exactly. why doesn't he follow directions yeah. why can't he just do it this time i mean just yeah
0: so you want me to here here's what i wrote down like as just like a summary of what I got out of the sermon, like how how it affects my everyday life going forward, was basically that there is always hope no matter what the situation. And I can carry that hope even in the middle of the discomfort.
1: Even if you can't change the situation, you can change the way you approach it. Right.
0: Like digging my garden or something, according to Joe.
1: No, life's a garden. Dig it.
0: <laughs> That's a wrap for episode nine of the Faith in Real Life podcast. Join us next week for the fourth stop on the Bible Road Tour, where we will hang out at Romans eight twenty eight. We hope that you will join us. And until then, our prayer is that you will walk by faith in everyday life.
1: Adios.